Hello and welcome to the Dynamo Faithful Podcast, your source for everything Houston Dynamo. I am the Sinsky Man, and with me today is Scroggins. Hey, everybody. Jake. Hey, how's it going, man? And Emmett. What's going on? We're discussing our draw with Portland, talking about our central striker, taking a look at the second team, and of course, forecasting our match against Frisco. Let's get to it. Scroggins, I want to start this off talking about Sebas. Did he have his worst game for the Dynamo this week? Dude, I, I really I really think he did. I, I mean, he got a couple touches, maybe a couple like one-two kind of passing interplays with the guys, with the uh, other forwards, Fafa and Pasher, um, within the first like 10, 15 minutes. And then there was nothing from him for like 20 minutes. I mean, I... I, I made a note of it when he finally got another touch. It wasn't until like, I don't know, after the 30th minute when he got a second touch and that was in our own half. And then he just like really made me frustrated uh, when he did that idiotic, like back heel flick thing so off stupid. of a corner. It was so stupid. And it, it like just dropped the ball right into Portland's lap right at the top of the box. It was just really dumb. Eddie Robinson even said, like, called him out on air, was like, he's just really easy to mark today, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Eddie, he's easy to mark every time he plays. So uh, we talked about this a little bit in the text group, and I want to I want to bring it up here. Okay, so Stebbins plays, like, like, he seems to want to play like a target man, but have zero of the target man's skill sets. So he's made for playing with the ball at his feet, running at goal. Why doesn't he make freaking runs? It, mm. It's just so irritating to watch. And um, he's essentially become the black hole of our offense. The ball goes in and nothing happens after that. It just is swallowed up, devoured, and we're all ruined and, and unhappy. Yeah, just I feel like he's not a target man, but he's not uh, an attacking forward either. Like he's not making runs. He's when he does get to the box, it's usually late behind all the other players, and they, the ball's already been kicked out, and the play is essentially over. It's just it did not look good for him this week. I feel like he's a a poacher, right? He doesn't want to do anything except that final tap in or strike or header that's going to put the ball into the net, and that that's got to make it hard for the other forwards to figure out how to get him more involved because he's not being dynamic on his runs. He's not trying to shake off defenders. The movement off the ball doesn't feel like it's there. It really didn't feel like it was there against Portland. Jake, even, even poachers make, make runs. I'm sorry, Sinski. I'm just really frustrated. Even poachers make runs. Like even poachers do things. And I just feel like he isn't, he isn't doing anything, dude. And it's just stop, like put Thor on, give Thor a game. Let's just see what happens. Jake, what do you got for us? You know, I can't argue with anything I've heard. So much has been made about being in a figure out our squad mode. And the best thing that I can say for Sebas right now is that we are really trying to figure out how to unlock him. We saw Bayard get a run of five games. We've seen Pasher now on a run of two. We're trying to find the right people uh, around him to get him scoring goals because I do believe he can score goals. I think that 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 is in his wheelhouse. You guys hit the nail on the head, though. He doesn't he he doesn't want to really partake in build up or, or maybe he does want to partake in build up, but he finds his his strength lacking. He finds his ability to hold play up lacking and he's not particularly active. I think that if you look at our touches this game, I think I'm the touch guy. I'm always looking at who had the most touches and and where they were having those touches. And if you look at Sebas and then you look at Thor, Sebas had 66 minutes this game on the field and he touched the ball 16 times, just 16 times. Three of those were in the attacking penalty area. Thor, on the other hand, comes in as his substitute. He gets only 24 minutes, significantly less minutes, but he still gets 11 touches in those 24 minutes. He's much more involved. He's much more active. He's helping the team play a little bit more. And he's even getting more touches in the attacking penalty area than our starting striker. Now, when you spend four point whatever million dollars on a player and you're in the figure out the team mode, he's going to be that first, uh, that priority. Right. He's going to be the thing that you're really trying to figure out. But if that's your price tag, you know, I feel like we've talked about Sebas every week. Either we we love him or we hate him and we're, we're, we're trying to hold out yeah. for him. But 
when you come in with that price tag, that's the scrutiny you're going to yeah. get, right? And, and we're going to talk about them every week. Every Dynamo podcast is going to talk about them every week. Every Dynamo media outlet should be talking about them because we right. have an expensive striker who's not scoring, and he's not even really helping us off the ball. Yeah. He's He is absolutely, absolutely a passenger right now. Uh, unless he is in the 18-yard box, he is a passenger. I think that the goal that was assisted by Fafa in our game against San Jose is a perfect ideal world for Sevis. He was in the box, Fafa did a ton of work, and he laid it off to him. That that goal was 90% Fafa working and then 10% Sevis being really composed. I How think that maybe we were so good at playing with 10 men after Hadivi went down because we're so used to essentially playing with 10 men because ah. Sevis <laughs> isn't doing anything for us. Fire take, fire take. Uh, he did have a good pass to Pasher um, on one of the breakaways where it was clear that he was going to get overtaken by the defense. He one touches it out to Pasher, and that helped uh, evolve the attack there. Nothing came of it in the end. That's going to happen in a 0-0 draw. Last game, he showed some quality on his goals. I want to work him into it more. I'm not ready to give up on him. I'm not ready to move to Thor. I'm excited that we have Thor on the bench to come in and be movement-oriented to really get into the attack as soon as he comes off the bench. But I really like Sebus as the striker, and I want to see that happen for him and for the Dynamo. Emmett, is there any anything you have to say about Sebus getting in onto the goal scoring sheet again? Yeah, I mean, Jake and Scroggins are really smart. So they nailed all of that, right? All of that makes sense. All of it's spot on. The movement is lacking. When he does move, it's so predictable. The defenders know exactly how to cut off the, the supply to him. He's just not doing anything that's going to help himself find any sort of space whatsoever. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. we've talked about this too, that there's different phases in the game, right? Even when we're defending, he still has a role to play. And the thing that kills me is he's not even doing that. When you look at this past game, who's pressing on the defenders, who's pressing on when they have the ball and trying to progress it forward, it's DQ. It's our 35-year-old attacking midfielder that's pressing there and not Sevis. And that's the other thing that you want from the striker is to be able to play that and apply that pressure as we're transitioning into defense. So I, I'm, I'm beyond frustrated. Jake, you got anything to add on to that? Yeah, I mean, while we're while we're talking about Thor, while we're talking about what one offers and the other doesn't, I think if you look in the 88th minute, Thor has a wonderful chance. Uh, he he beats the defenders for pace. He's strong. He he holds up well. And I feel like it is just a bit of game sharpness. Now, I'm not going to say that Thor is for sure better than Sebas. I'm not going to say that Thor put him in and suddenly will start scoring goals. But I think if he has more minutes. I think if he has more game sharpness, that 88th minute chance turns into a goal. I think he knows to hit it sooner. I think he's feeling himself a little bit better. It's frustrating to me because of the price tag. We have to keep giving Sevis minutes, but I'm I'm dying to see what Thor can do with the run of games. But Thor did get minutes this match. He got a lot of minutes. I think Sevis came off in the 58. That's an early sub. He came in, he got a lot of time, and Thor's gotten time in most of the games. I'm pretty sure he's come in I want to say every game, there may have been one where he wasn't subbed on. Scroggins, what do you think b- between this thor Sebis dynamic? I know you're calling for Thor. Yeah, yeah, I think putting on Thor is the right call here. Um, the one thing that I have noticed about Sebis is when he's in the box, Emmett mentioned his runs being predictable. And, and I think that's really borne out the number of times that he is in the exact same spot or making the exact same run that Quintero or Fafa are making like right off the bat at this game, you know, against Portland Griff comes down the right side. This is, I, I have it written down in my notes as the 17th minute or so, but Griff comes down the right side, crosses a good cross into, into the box. It's kind of drifting back post and Sebas is right at the same spot that Fafa is. Oh yeah. Right. Sebas gets the header. He glances it wide because, because he's kind of drifting back to catch it. If, if there was better communication, I think Fafa could have buried that and we would have had, had a goal. But regardless, like that, that's not the only time that's happened and it happens a lot. And I, I just feel like if, I mean, if we put Thor on, at least we'll have somebody in a different spot instead of having two people guarded by one 
you know, essentially marking each other out. I, I just say, you know, let's give Thor a couple games. He's had his, Sebas has had a shot. He's only gotten two goals in, I don't know how many games now, like seven. Seven? Yeah, yeah, that's not that's not a great return. Let's do better. Okay, so, well, correct me if I'm wrong, Emmett. Feel free to do so. Producer Ian will edit it out and uh, in post anyway. But <laughs> the box is Sebas's territory. The other players are running into his space, not the other way around. I'm going to stand that ground for Sebas. I'm dying on that hill. That's his box. Fafa shouldn't be on top of him. It's not that Sebas is on top of Fafa. It's not that D. It's not that Sebas is on top of DQ. They're running into the striker space. Emmett, am I am I way off target here? Am I wayward? Wayward. I don't know, Sitsky. I don't know if you're ever wayward. I, the thing is, is the way that they've tactically set up is that they're playing with inverted wingers, right? Okay. Where Fafa and Baird, or if it's Pasher, they're cutting inside when they get the ball, right? right. So it, there is going to be some level of overlap there. But what you're looking for from a striker is you're looking for him to operate wherever there's space. And yes, predominantly, you want to get your striker touches inside the box. But also, if he's lethal, Cost a lot of money if he's lethal. I'd love to see him get some touches outside of the box, take a touch, and put a shot on goal. But we haven't seen him do that. And so I don't know if it's necessarily that level of territorial that you're alluding to, but I do think that you're spot on with the idea of let's get him more touches in the box. And honestly, I think the even larger view here is let's just get him the ball somehow, some way, and see if maybe there's different channels, different spaces that we can try to get him the ball to see what he can really do. Maybe it is. Maybe we ask him to drop a little bit deeper. Maybe we push him out into some of that spaces that are inverted wingers are going away from. So, I'm, you know, Paulo seems like he's got his tactics pretty firm in which way he wants to play. So I'd love to see us be able to, to mix that up a little bit and see if we can't get, you know, the $4 million investment man some uh, some touches and some some lethal spaces. Well, let's talk about his service then. You know, we've got wingers. We have one on each side. We play the uh, the old, what is it, a 4-3-3? Is that what it is? And uh, you got Fafa on the left. You've got Corey Baird or Pasher on the right. What's going on with our winger position that they can't get the ball to our striker to put it in the box? It's clear that's what Sebis wants. I don't. Is it a tactical issue? Is it an issue with uh, players not being able to, to do the skills necessary. Jake, what do you think? What What's going on in our winger position? So we haven't seen enough from anyone in the attack. L- let's just say the, the only attacker I think we can all say we're, we're very satisfied with is Darwin Quintero. Can I we all that we? That? I would, I yeah. would sure hope so. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. 100%. Chad Ramos, <laughs> Ramos deserved Luke Ob simply because he refused to play Darwin. I mean, yeah, if there's anything the beginning of the season showed us, it's a it, tab deserved to be fired just because of that. Like Darwin's been great. Sorry, Jake. Go ahead. Oh, you're good. Yeah, I was gonna say unless Tab Ramos is lurking in this in this podcast, I think we can all agree that Darwin's been been pretty good. <laughs> um, we we attack in that four four two three one kind of shape. Uh, we have Darwin Quintero playing wherever he can find space, which is tough when him and Sevis are holding hands and frolicking through the fields. Um, our winger position is is of particular interest to me, right? We have a striker who we want to unlock. That's like our priority. I think right. over on the left, Fafa is doing stuff, right? Fafa is going to be a type of winger that's going to make you scream for joy some days and for frustration others because he's he's gonna stretch the field he's going to try and get in behind uh you're gonna be frustrated him being off sides he's gonna try and dribble players you're gonna be frustrated when he when it doesn't come off but he's doing stuff i don't think he's an immediate concern i would look more to the right side of the field where so far we've and i alluded to this earlier we looked at baird for a few games personally don't think that we saw enough from Baird to say that Baird is a lock starter, right? I think that we've seen there's improvement to be had in the attacking sector of the field. We've seen a, a few games from Pasher now, and I love Tyler Pasher. I love his story. I love the guy that, you know, had a career in USL and believed in himself and, you know, finally got his chance in the top league and, and played himself into a national team call-up. I'll never forget seeing his his Instagram post, like, that said, don't ever let anyone tell you it's over. You get to decide when it's over. I love that. I'm behind him. I love him. This game, there were three or four times where I saw the idea he was going for. He had a, he had a really good idea. 
and it just didn't quite come off. And either what we saw last year was Tyler Pasher playing above his level for a little while, or we're seeing right now that he doesn't have game sharpness. And I think we're going to see a run of games from Pasher. I think Baird got five. I hope that Pasher gets five. But unless Pasher starts to show a lot more, if I'm Tiago right now, I'm looking at that right winger position and thinking it's mine for the taking, like thinking this is a winnable spot for me to take. Another thing I would be open to is seeing what Dorsey can do, seeing if, if Dorsey moves up and Zeka can can make the right back spot his own. I think right back in general has been a surprising thing for us this year where Griffin Dorsey has been an MLS quality right back. Going into the season, we were concerned that we didn't have a single right back that could hack it. And when we brought in Zeka, we said, oh, thank God, maybe this guy will actually do something. Now Zeka, we're figuring out our squad. He deserves a chance to play, but no longer is he just the guy that's going to save us because we have no one. If he's going to stay on this team, he has to be Trent Alexander-Arnold level of good uh, on the MLS <laughs> scale, right? He has to be the, the type of player that's going to get close to double digit assists from the right back spot for us to say, Hey, you know, we need this guy. All right. I'm going to put you on the spot real quick. I just want one player moving forward. Who do you want starting at that position? Just the name. I'm not a reason why. Pasher. Okay. Scroggins. What's going on in that winger position? What do you think? What's your take? Uh, I, I think I'll, I'll zig when everyone else zags here. Um, since we play with the inverted wingers, I say, just let them play. Just let them play like inside forwards or inverted wingers. Just let them cut in, and and not worry so much about providing width or crosses. Um, Fafa can't cross the ball anyway, you know, sure. and and that's fine. One thing I did notice uh, while watching us against Portland is that uh, Matias Vera was was dropping deep. Sometimes he would be even further back, almost like a sweeper, uh, like further back than Hadebe and Tim Parker. And if we're going to play like that, then like, why not let him just drop deep more often and just put uh, that will allow Lundy, both Lundy and Griffin to get forward like we all want to see, uh, because that first half. And in the last couple games, San Jose and Miami, Dorsey has looked fantastic burning down that right wing. I think he interacts well with both Baird and Pasher. Like he's he's just really, really good going forward. We all know he's he's a work in progress defensively, but that's fine. But the second half, especially after Zika came on, I think it was around the 60th minute, Lundy was dropping stinking dimes. Kyle talked about it in the Dino Bros Reacts podcast. Like he was oh, nice. crossing the ball beautifully. And we know Lundy, we, we know that Lundquist is capable of this. So this is what I want to see out of wingers. I want to see wing backs. Let's just let Matias Vera drop back and, and be a, play a little bit deeper, play more of a true number six, just a, an anchor right, right in front, if not equal with the two center backs and let our fullbacks get forward. And just let them bomb forward. We have like the flexibility. We have guys that can man the spot when they if they get tired, I have to sub off. We'll be fine because we got Zeka that can fill out fill in on both sides. Yeah. Those guys, Griffin Dorsey and Adam Lundquist, can both send in a beautiful cross. So let's let them do it. And and then that solves the problem of winger production. They get to push in more and put more stress on that back line. And I, I don't see why we're not doing this yesterday. Interesting. I want to see your football manager tactics. I really want to see what you have everybody doing. That's, that's a peak interest to me right now. Oh, I love I'm going it. I'm to ask you the same question I asked Jake. If we're looking at just the performances we've seen so far, who nails down that, that right winger position for you? Who's the player you want starting there? Just the name. You gave me a reason, so I just want the name now. No one? I I don't know. <laughs> like Ten players it is. We're playing ten men. Yeah, okay. Uh, I mean, nine oh, men, because Davis is on the hey, field, so I got that's one. nine now. <laughs> that's so harsh. Uh, honestly, like, why not try Memo? He had his best years as a winger under Cabrera. He He's not going to do any any less than Pasher and Baird have done, which is pretty much nothing, you know, so why not? Let's just give it a whirl, see what happens. Okay, and Emmett. Do you have anything to add on that right winger position? And who do you want starting? Go ahead. As the uh, 
beard guy. I uh, <laughs> feel like everybody already knows where where I'm going with this. Butter uh, Corey Beard, I do love you. I, I do think you uh, you put in good shifts. I like how you contribute in all phases of the game. Uh, I don't necessarily like that I have become your uh, biggest fan over here, but I will uh, I will defend quality when I see it. So the thing is, is, is I just feel like for the way that we want to play, the way that Paulo has set up his, our tactics, he really does give us the most well-rounded performance. You know, just for just for an example, this past game, Pasher had 12 out of 17 accurate passes, played for 60 minutes. Baird comes in, knocks out 14 out of 15 accurate passes. So we can already see here that he's in the right places. He's aggressive when he needs to be. He tracks back when he needs to be. And I think that's the thing that that gives me the most heartburn is there's been multiple times where I feel like Pasher should have tracked back and he didn't. And therefore, our defense has had to make adjustments last minute to cover for him or we've given up goals because of him. There was a moment in the first half where you see it, Tim Parker looks over his shoulder, sees that he, there's two attacking players on the back post where Pasher's not didn't track back, didn't mark his guy. He makes an adjustment, makes a slide tackle, puts the ball out of play. Brilliantly done by Tim Parker. However, He's Tim Parker doesn't have to do that. Oh, captain, my captain, right? Tim Parker doesn't have to do that when Baird's on the field because Baird tracks back, he plays defense, he puts in that well-rounded shift. You saw it even when he came in in this past game too, when Baird came in, him and Zeka came in at the same time. You saw the little interactions that they had already. He was in the right places, he was playing the right balls. He's got an assist on the season. Pasher does not. A little bit more game time for Baird. I see that. Sample size is a thing. Got to take it into consideration here. I just feel like Baird is more lethal in the attacking third and is more solid in the defensive third. So it's just hard for me to see anybody else there. It's challenging for me because I do like Pasher. I do like what he offers. I just wonder if maybe we should utilize him centrally, but there's no way he starts over DQ. So unfortunately, it just seems like he's the odd man out. Yeah, there's no way starting over DQ with the hot start that uh, Darwin's got so far. But I disagree with you on Corey Baird being lethal in the attack. Jake? Yeah, I just want to save our producer Ian some work. He would have to cut in uh, right now to correct our esteemed colleague Emmett, who said that Pasher does not have an assist on the year. Pasher, in fact, does have an assist on the year. He also has a goal on the year, which uh, Corey Baird cannot boast. Can Corey Baird boast an assist either? Yeah, no, he can. He's right about that. I'm, I'm missing that one. Okay. Well... I'm not I'm not against Corey Baird. I think he's the safe decision. I just don't think he's the right decision. I'm hoping that I'm honestly I'm not happy with Pasher or Baird. I don't think either one is doing really what needs to be done on that right wing. And with with Pasher, I was all about it. You if you follow me on Twitter at the Sinsky Man, you're gonna see a lot of posts about Pash Money and him getting forward and him going deep. And how excited I am that he's going to play because I think he's going to score goals and I think he's going to take shots. But when he started this game and last game, I just feel like the team has kind of neglected him. I feel like we're not looking right. And and there were a few moments where Pasher did have the ball up there, but I, I just feel like the team is so one-sided to Fafa up on the left. And I know Fafa's quick. He's the gazelle. I just I just feel like we're not looking at the whole field except for my man Vera. I was pretty impressed with the way he was passing the ball. Jake, what would you say is the stat of the game? What really defines this game for you? Oof. Well, I would say the shots to shots on target. Both for the Dynamo, we had 14 shots and only four on target. Six of those other shots were blocked. So we were taking shots. We were trying to make chances, but it seemed that we were trying to make chances out of nothing. Most of our shots were with a defender right in front of us, with the the goalkeeper right there. There was very little in the way of, of truly good shots outside of two golden opportunities, one for DQ and one for Fafa. Uh, but even on the other side of the game, Portland had 14 shots just like we did. They only put two on target. So this was a game where neither team could really convert their chances into even just working the keeper. Yeah, I felt like there were a ton of shots this game. Absolutely. Let's move on to our unsung hero, the player of the game who maybe didn't get the spotlight you think he deserves. Scroggins, 
Who do you think was uh, the best player for the Dynamo that really didn't shine like he maybe should have or get the accolades that he deserved? Uh, That one for me is really easy. I think Tim Parker just came back into the lineup and showed everybody exactly why he's the captain. Just absolutely had a fantastic game. I can only think of one mistake he made is he got skinned by Yimmy Chara. Chara just took a good touch, got by him. Chara got everybody at least once, though. Yeah, uh, I mean, game. but Chara. but that's 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 Chara. I mean, yeah. at least Yimmy. Diego Chara is just you know uh, a bruiser. Yimmy's like he, he's just a quick, fast little you know like attacker. And uh, but that's the only time I can think of of Parker putting a foot wrong. I thought he cleaned up everything. He kept both the lines, both the the back line and the midfield line, well-organized, communicated well. So many little things, little adjustments he'd make to cut off passing lanes and cut off crosses. Man, Tim Parker was like, uh, for me, he's the man of the match. Uh, I thought he played great. Jake, who do you think was the unsung hero? Who do you think deserves more props? Certainly, I think, and and if you don't mind, I'm going to take this to the man of the match route. In a 0-0 draw, it's kind of tough to say anyone wasn't getting enough praise. That's fair. But I'll tell you, uh, with man of the match, we're talking about the person who affected the match the most, who really affected the result. And I think we really have to give that to the referee. Uh, because <laughs> in this this was what I, I, in my heart, I wanted to say. I wanted to call an audible on the stat of the game because the stat of the game for me really is two yellow cards, the teenage Adibi. Uh, that... First yellow, yes, absolutely. I think if you draw blood, you deserve a yellow for reckless play. There's no real question about that. The second one, right, a coming together of legs. Listen, I don't know what non-Euclidean geometry the referee was using to think that this was a denial of any sort of, of real play. The player that teenage unfortunately gets tangled with was running towards the sideline, not even that far into the half. Calling that a yellow card is ridiculous, and it sucked all of the momentum out of the dynamo. If you look at the game flow, we had recovered momentum. We had kept the ball. We were we were getting sustained, if not super high pressure, but we were yeah. finding a real rhythm with those Lundy crosses that were put in on a wire. And then we had to drop to 10 men, and it became let's let's hold keep out. our home a fortress. Let's hold out. Let's you know, maybe see if Thor can sneak one in, but otherwise we'll we'll be happy with the draw. So player of the game, unsung hero, whatever that referee's name was. Also, I saw him yelling at Lundy at one point. So get him off the field. You don't talk to Lundy like that. I, I saw a post on Twitter and it said, how scared was the referee when two Vikings are yelling at you? Uh, that, I thought that was that was hilarious. Whoever posted that, I wish I knew off the top of my head. You deserve all the points. I'm just going to say something. And maybe it's just a lack of understanding of the last defender and denial of a goal scoring opportunity. But I did see that there was no one behind Teenage Sands the Keeper. I did see Teenage's arms kind of outstretched. Maybe that's because the tangle of the legs caused him to lose his balance. So he's outstretching his arms. But it did seem like a last man. Oh, oh no. Shut up. Not moving towards okay. goal at all. Oh, no, Not moving towards goal at was. all. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe. I watched it seven maybe times. Okay. Maybe I need to watch it that's- eight. I think we can upgrade the maybe, Sinski. <laughs> what what part of that, Sinski, was a goal-scoring opportunity? Like in it would have been a universe. one-on-one with the keeper if Hadebi doesn't no, make that he's, foul. He would have ran towards the sideline. He, he was headed towards the sideline. Yeah, He was headed he, towards the sideline yeah. at practically midfield. I said maybe I miss, maybe I don't understand that rule. That's a possibility. But it seemed like he gets that this ball and then he's able to cut in and there's <laughs> no one behind him if Hadebi misses his tackle. Or to be fair, guys. Is that logic? By that logic, you get the ball anywhere on the field. Maybe you can cut in, and then you're on in on the keeper. Like, what is that? Like, it's just nonsense. Compromise Stop definitely it. the more compromise. Probably. This is what happens <laughs> when we let Man U fans host podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I just want it to be known that I am Jake's favorite podcast host, except for one. Producer Ian could cut this entire segment. I don't need the world thinking that maybe I thought it was a foul. And if it's a foul, Eddie Robinson did say uh, if it's deserved, it's deserved. He did not agree that it was deserved, though. I clearly <laughs> remember that. He was pretty upset about that yellow. Honestly, I think it was a light foul. I think the guy went down easy. 
I could see why the ref maybe thought he was shoved down by the last defender on a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity. I'm not a referee in the MLS, so I'm not going to make that decision. Uh, Emmett, who is your unsung hero? And please let it be a Dynamo player. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I don't know how to take that, Sinski. So here's the thing. I was going to go with Tim Parker. I think Scroggins nailed it. You know, not only for all the things that Scroggins said, but there's also a beautiful moment the 23rd minute where Hadibi gets the the first yellow card and the Portland player Blanco kind of steps over Hadibi. And of course, like good teammates, they all step up to Blanco. Fafa's the first one there, kind of push, hey. gives him a little shove and says, hey, we, we don't do those kind of things down here in Houston, right? So they let him know what's up. But the thing is, is Blanco doesn't really get scared until Tim Parker shows up on the scene. <laughs> and once Tim Parker shows up, Blanco <laughs> wants absolutely nothing to do with him whatsoever. The dude is a mountain. You know, yes. and the other thing too, the dude is shredded too. You know, he gave us a little bit of a, a peek, <laughs> lifted up his shirt to wipe some sweat off the brow. And the dude's got a six pack. And I was blown away. This man is a this man is a model. He's a model on the field. But my unsung hero, I'm gonna go with Coco. I think we could all agree that DQ played great, had a phenomenal game. But I really believe that the only way that DQ can play the way that he's playing right now is because Coco is able to unlock him to do those things. Yeah. There were many times where Coco had some incredible interceptions. There was a beautiful moment where Coco Cruyff turns. While he's dispossessing it from somebody and then plays a killer ball. And it made me like get up out of my chair like we just scored a goal. And my wife literally asked me, did the Dynamo score? And I was like, (laughs) no, but it was a beautiful turn. It was incredible. And she was like, I just don't get it. And I was like, it was a thing of beauty. It was a thing of beauty. So I think think Coco had a phenomenal game. Yeah, Coco pressed uh, O on the D-pad and did a little... A little oh, spin geez. move is pretty pretty impressive. I I loved it. I think I think the real the real insight here is that we just all found out Emmett has a man crush on Tim Parker. Like that's that's really what the what yeah. this is revealed to us. I don't think I there's a Dynamo fan out there who doesn't. That long hair, okay. I didn't know we were this kind of <laughs> podcast, guys. <laughs> getting a little think, uncomfortable. It's getting I steamy. The have... thirst is real. <laughs> I think you all had great choices, but mine's got to be Vera. I think this might have been Vera's best game. Yeah. It's just disappointing that it was a 0-0 draw. The passes that he was picking out in the first half of the game especially were just incredible dimes right to players, direct long passes across the field. He was going left. He was going right. Seemed to be the only player who knew there was players on the right side of the field. I was very impressed with Vera. He did make one mistake kind of late in the first half that put uh, the Dynamo in a tough situation. But I think Vera played probably the best game. I really like this this Vera dropping deep, looking for these Pirlo-esque passes. And I was very impressed with him. And I think if he plays that way, it's going to be a little bit harder for me to determine who our top three midfielders should be when Hector Herrera gets here because that was a heck of a game by him. Coco, I think... It's, it's really frustrating. Our midfield seemed pretty good this game. And it just all none of the ideas quite came off in the end. You know, whether it was a great pass from Vera or that sick interception spin move or tackle interception spin move, get the ball out by Coco. All these great things that just didn't pay off in the end. Like the, the payoff wasn't there. Ugh. So we're going to move on. Let's talk about the Dyna Dose. They're 4-0 right now, guys. Jake, how impressed are you with our young lads? I'm so impressed. Um, Papa and Doye balled out the other night, had a goal and an assist on the night. Beto Avila scored again. Marcelo Palomino scored again. I think my favorite thing that I see from that team right now is the, their team chemistry. Everything that they do, they do together. They press together. They attack together. And I'm frankly very, very impressed with the coaching staff. I, I saw some some quotes from his postgame presser about uh, just his investment in these these players as young men and, and wanting them to succeed and and feeling the excitement with them. So I, I'm very impressed with them. I'm I'm ready to see more. I'm ready to see these guys break into the first team, and I'm excited to see our future. I think I think our academy is finally becoming what a soccer academy in Houston, Texas should be. So wonderful to see. I'm super impressed. I think we might be the team to beat Dynamo Dose. Those guys are 
awesome. When you say they attack together, I feel like the entire team attacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've only been able to catch like 20 or 30 minutes of the last two games, but both times I was just like, who's not going to score? That yeah. seems, it seems like there's like a running bet. Who's going to get the most goals? <laughs> who's getting the next? And it doesn't matter if it's the forward or the wingers or whoever. Everybody's wanting to get in on those goals. Jake, do you have something else to say? Yeah, I will say you mentioned us being the team to beat. I saw on Twitter the other day someone did like a power rankings for MLS Next Pro and had the audacity to put Dynamo 2 at number four. The only undefeated team in the league who at that point hadn't even let in a single goal at this point has only let in one goal and it was a penalty and you're not going to put us number one. That's a great way to make sure I know to not trust anything you say about the sport. That's fantastic. (laughs) Thank you for letting me know who you are. So I never have to read your tweets again. Get that guy off Twitter. That's ridiculous. That's absolutely ridiculous. I want to move on to our rival watch. Scroggins, Austin had a huge comeback win over DC. Are we scared of them? Are they better than us? I think there's a lot of question marks with with Austin's victories. Um, they, you know, had that hot start to the beginning of the year where it was Cincy and Inter Miami, uh, two dumpster fires of teams. And then, you know, they kind of hit a wall, didn't start scoring as much. This DC game looks like a fantastic comeback win by them. Um, But uh, Ola Kamara got two yellow cards in like the first half. His first yellow card was because he took off his shirt after scoring a goal. And then the second yellow card was because he just ran over somebody uh, going for the ball. Two really dumb cards. And and so DC United played pretty much the entire second half a man down. Um, and Austin just warm out. Austin does look threatening on uh, on the counter, on the break. They're, they're, they look to be a solid team. It's it's hard to come back from two down, especially to win it. But I, I, I don't know if they're better than us, to be honest. Uh, they've got better goals. They're atop of the West, I think. Um, second now, actually. Second. C is at the top now. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank God for that. Um, but I, <laughs> I just, this is only a, only time I'll ever be happy about LA teams being up there. But I, I, I just, they just don't strike fear into my heart. Like there's still, there's still Austin. There's still broccoli FC. You know, I, I just don't know if, if we should be scared of them yet. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I'm a little nervous by them. I'm glad to hear that you're not. Emmett, you watched a little bit of the uh, FC Dallas game. What do you think about their uh, their draw with New Jersey? Should should we be worried about what's coming up this week? You know, it's a great question. I, I, I like and I trust our back line. You know, I'm not entirely sure what kind of partnership we're going to get in the middle there, um, but I trust it. We've shown ourselves to be pretty reliable when it comes to the defensive side. You know, they've got some pretty outstanding attackers. I know Jake had a chance um, to to watch the game too, but we'll see, right? Time will tell. You know, I think, of course, Fierre and Ariola together, that's pretty lethal. Something for us to, to definitely keep an eye on. Jake, you got anything to add about what was going on in that Frisco game? Absolutely. They were 100% lucky to get out of Red Bull Arena with a tie that game. They were outshot 21 to 5. 21 shots against, 5 shots for. And if you're like, oh, Jake, but that's just the shots. I mean, what about on target? It was still 6 to 2. They are thanking their lucky stars. Not on their jersey because they don't have those, but they're whatever stars they can conjure up, they're thanking them for getting out of that with a point because they got embarrassed 100%. Before we move on to the game coming up with Dallas, Scroggins, tell me about the Dynamo's U.S. Open Cup match that's going to be happening here soon. So, uh, as you know, the U.S. Open Cup is kind of regionalized in the early stages. And so um, we got matched up with our old affiliate, uh, RGV. And this is their first time playing in the Open Cup because they weren't allowed to previously because they were an affiliate of ours. So they are have got to be excited. Um, their coach is our former coach, Wil- Wilmer Cabrera, and he's got a couple ex-players on the team. Uh, some of you may remember Tyler Derrick and then God bless his 
soul. Uh, Juan David Cabezas. I love that guy. Just yeah. such a sad story. Like he, oh man, I thought it he was mean, one of our right? best midfielders. Yeah, just blew it out. And uh, anyway, last year they had Vincente Sanchez uh, on the team, and he was like four thousand years old, running around uh, with he is like bald hair. I mean, it was it was amazing. Um, but he's moved on. So there's also that former affiliate relationship where RGV felt like they had been neglected and done dirty by the Houston Dynamo, primarily because Matt Jordan was in was in charge. So who wouldn't feel that way? I feel that way. And so that's uh, those are the things to keep keep an eye out. Like this is almost like a, a kind of junior rivalry match. Like there's uh, I think there's a little bit of animosity between the two organizations. So it'll be fun to watch. And, and I'm excited to catch it. And that sounds exciting. I, I didn't realize the bad blood that was lingering there. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is you guys have already seen that game when you're listening to this pod. So I hope you go back and listen to our Dyna Bros reaction to it. I'm excited to give you all my thoughts on that. My good or my bad or my ugly. So let's move on <laughs> to our next match against Frisco. Jake, talk to me about Dallas. Absolutely. So one thing I want to I want to mention about Dallas. It's trash. It's there. It is we just absolute trash. Uh, also, I, I love the Open Cup. While we're talking about it, I'm excited. Uh, I think it's a wonderful tournament. And I love that they're doing the local teams here, right? So we're playing uh, Rio Grande Valley. Austin is playing just down the road. They're playing against San Antonio FC. Uh, and, and FC uh, Dallas, they're playing their local USL team in Tulsa, Oklahoma. That's right. Dallas is in Oklahoma confirmed. Uh, I love <laughs> I love seeing that they're not even real Texas, and they're not even real Dallas. They're Frisco. Um, I, I'm excited for this game. Uh, I, I'm nervous ahead of every every local rivalry, right? Because there's there's that bragging rights on the line. El Capitan is on the line. This is the coolest trophy in sports. Amen. We have an actual cannon that's that's on the line here. And when you look at Dallas and and you look at their team and their stats and what they've been able to do this year and what we've been able to do this year, we look freakishly identical right now. We're very, very close on the table. So close that we literally have the same amount of points. Uh, they're slightly ahead of us on goal differential. So similar, we've scored the same amount of goals. Each team has scored 10. Uh, they have only allowed four goals while, we, while we've allowed seven. Very similar. Even the expected goals, we have the same amount of expected goals at 8.9. So this is going to be a very interesting match against two, I think, very well-matched teams. That's wild. I didn't realize even the expected goals was so close. Scroggins, they've got Ariola and Ferreira in their offense. Are we worried about them scoring goals on us? Uh, I mean, maybe. Ferreira is having a great season so far. Five goals, one assist. Ariola is always uh, goal-adjacent and danger-adjacent. He probably leads the league in hockey assists, you know, the pass before the pass. Um, he's just an agent of chaos. Uh, I think one thing that we do have on our side is is we have a bit more of a veteran squad, like uh, a bit more experience on our squad. Uh, Frisco, for whatever reason, uh, this offseason traded Hollingshead, Ryan Hollingshead there. I mean, he had been at that club, played left back, played right back, plays winger. I mean, he he's he's a Swiss army knife. And for whatever reason, they decided to let him go to LAFC where he's having a fantastic season. Uh, and he, he was just one of those locker room leaders uh they still have matt hedges on the back line who's kind of a fringe u.s men's national team player he's gotten a couple national team call-ups but as far as just overall leadership they just they just don't have some of those older heads like we do and that's where i think our edge is going to come in um the last two weeks the last two uh matches for them they've gotten hit in the mouth early and they just haven't been able to um to recover from it. And I think it's just because of the squad's overall immaturity. And that's not something that we really are worried about with us, which is great. And I think if we hit them hard and hit them early, we're going to be, uh, it's going to be ours for the taking. So really we just have to convert those chances that we failed to convert against Portland and Dallas is going to be in the rear view. Just look absolutely it's like that. Okay. Absolutely. They'll be loading up the truck and heading back to Oklahoma. <laughs> See, but what, what really does worry me is that Teenage got that red, right? He got two yellows. Emmett, who are you going to put 
in teenage's spot this is stairs healthy enough i don't know does that mean bartlow's taking over what do you think you know the whole health of stairs is like a it's a mystery right i don't think anybody really knows exactly where he's at what level of fitness or even what level of minutes we're going to be able to get from him so we may see a, a parker bartlow pairing and i don't we haven't seen that just yet um curious to see how it plays out both of those guys bring very it seems like very complementary skill sets to each other right tim parker isn't necessarily known for playing great progressive balls uh, but we saw bartlow we saw ethan bartlow play a couple of those you know obviously we may not even need the center backs to be able to do that if we allow matias vera to do what he did this past game to come back to collect the ball and start the attack Mm -hmm. from that point then really we may just need them to do one thing and that's defend and defend well so i think it's a good time for us to try it out we'll see i I just feel like i'm gonna miss teenage's ability to jump up and knock the ball out because i feel like ariel is gonna be putting in crosses on us i just hope our ferrera is better than their ferrera you know what i'm saying it's not looking good sinski we're gonna win i can feel it speaking of winning i want match predictions scroggins who you got yeah uh Man, that's that's a really hard one to call. I I feel like I I just feel like in my bones, man. I have no reason to feel this, but I I feel like it's going to be two nothing Houston Dynamo. I don't I don't know why. There's no logic behind it. I can't, don't ask me to explain it. It's just it's just coming to me. You know what I mean? It's just it's in me. I feel it. Two nothing Dynamo. Okay, Jake, give me yours. Three zero Houston Dynamo. Baird starts. Let's go. Baird starts to kind of help our defense a little bit since we're probably going to have Bartlow in there. But Bartlow plays lights out. Baird gets on the score sheet with either a goal or an assist in an attempt to shut me up. Spicy butter. I'll take that all day. Emmett? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just shocked right now. Let's me go, too. Jake. Welcome. Welcome to the welcome to the train. I like The butter this. train. <laughs> the butter train. I think it's so, a boat. Is it a butter boat? It could be. It's a dish. It's just a dish. It's a butter he dish. Can, he can go wherever he's needed. I think that's the beautiful thing about him. All right. So if he's sharp, he's a butter knife. There we go. So I'm going. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one zero. Uh, Houston, of course, takes the victory. I, I think our defensive line. Um, is solid, continues to stay solid, even as we do a little bit of rotation there. Um, I I just really don't like the city of Dallas, and I refuse to even entertain the idea of them coming away with three points or one point. So I'm saying, all right, so I'm saying we go to Dallas, we take these three points, we see a 1-0 victory and a goal from Fafa. Fafa Fafa scores against his former team. I like it. I think we see him get back on the score sheet. You know, we saw him this past game very, very involved. You know, maybe we see some more of this direct sort of approach, this direct sort of attack. But I think he uh, he leaves this past game with a little chip on his shoulder. He knows he should have done better. He knows he wants to do better. We know he wants to do better. So I say not only does he get a goal, but it's a winning goal. And we come away with all three points. Yeah, I like that because, you know, he had that one-on-one with the keeper where he absolutely burned those defenders and then just didn't quite place the ball right. So I bet he wants to get back from that. I'm going to go with you on that, Emmett. I think it is a 1-0 victory for us. I want to be bolder. I want to be more like 3-0 in their house. But this Portland game's got me a little nervy, a little bit questioning our team's finishing. So I think there's going to be another just look at a whole bunch of missed chances before late in the game. I think Baird does get the start, but I think Pasher gets the goal when he subs on and he comes in, cuts in, gets a goal. That's my prediction. 1-0 for the night. I feel super encouraged after the Portland game. I know it was frustrating, but Portland was by far and away the most talented team that we faced so far. And we played really well against them. We went shot for shot with them up until a second yellow card. And so it's going to be 2 nothing, and that's why. All right, Chris Scroggins with the hot takes, and I'm here for it. Let's go ahead and wrap this up with a fun little segment where we look at the history of the Houston Dynamo. I got flamed on Twitter by your man Jake for saying that he's never had steadier hands than Steve Clark and Goal. And in my opinion... Right now, he's looking like the best Dynamo keeper ever. They all disagree, and I would love to hear Jake last. Let's go ahead and hear what Emmett thinks. Emmett, who is the best keeper to ever play for your Houston Dynamo? Yeah, I think this is a little bit of a no-brainer. I think Pat Onstead takes it. I think what he was able to do while he was here, uh, what he continues to do, 
as the as the GM here. Uh, I think just he uh, he bleeds uh, he bleeds Dynamo. I think he's a good leader. I think he led us to some championships. So it's hard it's hard to hard to pick anybody but him. Okay, Scroggins, pick anybody but him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, for me, actually, I think it's Tally Hall, uh, Mr. Talman Hall V, um, simply because you can name Pat Onstat's center backs that were playing in front of him. Name the center backs that played in front of Tally Hall. Right, you can name midfielders that that played in front of Pat Onstat, who were like the midfield for Tally Hall. I mean, without looking it up, guys, you know, like I mean, Tally Hall Boniac? played with Brad Davis Clark? and Boniac Garcia. Who else? Who who were the outside backs? I mean, in in the team that Onstat played with was out of this world. One of the best teams that I mean, I think the best team that we've ever fielded, whereas Tally Hall played with lesser quality players, but still got us into the playoffs consistently. We were still challenging to make it into the MLS Cup final. And then and then Tally Hall was like, I'm not just content with saving goals. So he goes into his second career and decides to save lives as a police officer. So that's 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 it right there. Jake, do you agree with either of these two fellas? It's uh, Emmett said it. It's really hard to say it's anyone but Pat Onstad. But I will call attention to one other goalkeeper that I think might be an unsung hero in Joe Willis, who big Joe. was take. big Joe, man. He came up big time and time again. He was steady. He wasn't error prone at all. The goals that got scored on them, you, you really couldn't blame them. And when he left and we brought in marriage, everyone was just thinking this marriage kid better be the best keeper in the league. Right to to come in, take up an international spot, to have the the salary he does, and to dismiss Big Joe Willis, and he never ever lived up to that billing. Joe Willis went on to do good stuff in Nashville. He's their number one. They've been a playoff team consistently. So I'll give Willis a shout while saying Onstat really is kind of the the asterisk obvious answer. And yeah, I think I think Clark is is great. He's the best keeper you've seen for the Dynamo, and and that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, I was clearly being a little bit flippant on Twitter. I'm a little reactionary <laughs> there. I must say, I must say, you hey, guys are standing for him. I like it. You guys make some good points, but I am, I am, yeah, I'm a Clark stand. I I just think of all our signings, all the moves that we made, that guy's been he's been top notch for us. I really think I really think he's going to be what gets us to the playoffs. There, I said it. All right, thank you guys <laughs> for coming out. We love you. We're grateful for you guys listening stay faithful thank you for listening to the dynamo faithful podcast we are chris sinski manny farcier christopher scroggins jake berry kyle mcguire and emmett rumfield dynamo faithful is produced by ian gregory graff and marketing and social media from zach polo music provided by alex Grohl on pixabay Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at dynamo underscore faithful and send your questions to dynamofaithfulpod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay faithful. Ariola Fiera Friar. Ooh. <laughs> We're done. We are. We are. Stick a fork in us. over. <laughs> It's in its bedtime. Dallas, that's our preview. They suck. We hate them. We're going to bed. I think we see another clean sheet at home coming down to Houston. And I love you. And this is an away game. <laughs> Tight. I'm gonna pitch it to I'm gonna pitch it to Emmett again. <laughs>